Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning. Man, I don't know about you, but I'm already stoked to be here, and we're just like 28 minutes into this service. Also, I sound really sexy today. I didn't even realize it until just now. I feel like I should sing some Barry White right now, or Barry Manilow, and then just kick this thing to a whole other level. Man, I just, this is going to be the best sounding podcast ever. People always told me I had a face for radio, but I didn't realize it until just now. No, nothing? No laughter. Hey, no, we don't get a hand clap for that. Come on. Man, we're so glad you're with us today. We are in part three of a series called Shouts. And uh, listen, I want to tell you that the whole premise of this, the, the title of this series is based on one of my favorite authors, a quote from his book called The Problem of Pain. And uh, it's on the video, but I want to read it again because I think it resonates. And that's this, that we can ignore even pleasures, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but he shouts in our pain. And there's, there's no doubt about it, everybody everywhere experiences pain in a way that can be crippling. Uh, what Pastor Megan just shared about earlier, I don't know about you, but I spent the good portion of yesterday just praying for the people in Paris, praying for their nation, praying for our nation. And some people might say this is the darkest hour, but I believe this is the church's finest hour if there was ever a time for the church to rise and raise the standard that Jesus is our hope, this is the time. But not just in Paris, but in our lives and in the lives of the people that are around us. They need to know, we need to know. In fact, some of us that walked in this room today with pain need to know that even in the midst of our gravest or our darkest times, the time where pain seems to be overwhelming, God still is speaking to us and wants to speak through us. And that's what this series is all about. How to discover what God is doing in me in the midst of my pain so I can discover what God wants to do through me in the midst of my pain. Before I go any further, I just want to say, man, this church is a great church uh, because of an army of men and women. This has nothing to do with my series, but every time I get a chance, I like to say this, this about our people. We have a, a, an army of men and women called the Dream Team. If you're here in this room today, from the front to the back, the side to side, and you're on the dream team, would you just raise your hand right now? Would y'all give them a hand clap? I love it. You can't clap because so many of you are raising your hands. We love that. And uh, man, the reason I say that is we want you to save the date. We want to celebrate you for what you do to build the church in Orange County, but more importantly, to reach people. Save the date, December 11th. It's on the screens behind. Is that the right date? 11th? Okay, good. I saved the right date. We are celebrating you, and we spare no expense. We go all out, and here's the thing. If you're not on the Dream Team, you don't get to come. So you have just a couple more weeks to jump on the Dream Team. We will retroactively allow you to come and be a part of this. But this is going to be the best party we've ever had. We're going to an amazing venue in downtown Santa Ana at the Orange County School of the Arts. We are going all out, catering a meal. It will be the most incredible experience you have ever had in the history of your life. This surpasses the birth of your child. This surpasses. So if you're not on the dream team, man, jump on the stinking dream team because you don't want to miss this party. And you might be sitting here today going, man, I don't know where I fit on the dream team. 
Well, you know what? Today's the perfect day to ask that question. Immediately after our second service, we have what's called Discover. And actually, we believe that you can begin to discover God's plan and purpose for your life in just about 30 to 40 minutes. It's pretty awesome. Using the tools of, uh, and wisdom of, of, of people around us, but also the insight that the scripture brings. And, and we believe this, that everyone in this room is a 10 in some area. You, you can do things that nobody else can do. Look me in the eyes. You can come to the church for the rest of your life and never jump on the dream team. And we'll be okay. But we'll never be great. Because we don't have what you do. And you can come to the movement church for the rest of your life, drag your feet, and never jump on the dream team, and you'll be okay. But you'll never be great. Because God's greatest plan for your life is tied to what your purpose is. So go to Discover today. Holy cow, I'm kicking mints everywhere. Go to Discover today right after second service in the party room. And uh, Gurley's going to, she's cooking some steaks right now. It's gonna, that's not true. I'm lying. Come check that out. We'll take care of your kids and all that stuff. Is that good? Awesome. Let's reset the service now that I've got that announcement out the way. And my sermon time is already down, so we got to go quick today. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? We're just going to pray. I'm going to come out and randomly select one of you to pray out loud, so it's going to be exciting. I'm kidding. <laughs> bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we thank you that you're here in this place. God, we thank you that even in the midst of our darkest and deepest pains, you're there. God, we thank you that you're here in this moment, reminding us that you draw near to us as we draw near to you. So, Father, today over the next... 30 minutes or so, I pray you just speak to all of us. None of us came in this room having it all figured out. None of us are seasoned enough that we don't need to understand further how to navigate pain and, and allow God to do something powerful. So God, we just, we just rest in you today. and We surrender our hearts and our minds and our lives to you. 30 minutes, God. Do your best. We thank you for that now. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. Every time you say amen, you should say it twice. Amen and amen. The title of my sermon today is Jordan's Chains and Freedom. Jordan's Chains and Freedom. I don't always title sermons, but today I did. And every time I say the word chains, I think of Nick Jonas' song. <laughs> you got me in chains for you. Anybody? Love. All right. As we, as we talk through pain, we have discovered different components of pain and how it can affect us and who tends to cause the greatest amount of pain in our life and what God is doing. But what the truth is this, that often the greatest pain that we experience in life is our own fault. Because of foolish or what I'm just going to say just to be transparent today, stupid decisions that we make on a consistent basis. And the pains of those decisions can tend to be haunting, kind of like the aftershocks of a devastating earthquake. Our decisions begin to ripple through our life and stir up feelings of shame. And shame is actually one of the most powerful emotions, I believe, in the human body, just less than hope. I think shame conquers fear. Do you know that the number one reason why people don't attend church is because they don't feel like they're good enough to come? Shame is crippling. And I want to talk about some of the big things of pain in our life and what's God doing in us and through us, we can't do that without talking about the topic of the chains of shame. The chains of shame. And here's the thing about shame. I, you know, usually at this point in the sermon, what the communicator will do is what we call hitting stages and ages in life. And we'll begin to paint general pictures uh, for different people that are seated here, maybe for those of you that are in college or young professionals, 
families with young children, those with teenagers in the house, empty nesters and beyond. And we'll paint pictures so that everybody in this room can identify with where the communicator is going. It's a strategic way that we communicate on Sunday so that nobody feels isolated or ostracized. And so that everybody just kind of leans in. But when it comes to shame, we don't have to paint vivid pictures. When it comes to looking through the course of our life and seeing the foolish decisions that we make, I don't even have to create scenarios. Many of you, in the moment that I said that the greatest pain in our life often comes because of the poor decisions that we make, you identify with one or two, or if you're like me, five or six things. Yeah, thank you for laughing. (laughs) Five or six things that you look back and you go, man, I just wish I hadn't. I wish that I had just stepped up. I wish that I had done that differently. I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I had stayed true to my convictions. See, chains of shame, they're crippling. And most people are walking through life with them, and it increases pain in our life. But we don't have to live life that way. So here's what I call the birth of the chains of shame. And yes, I have some illustrations. I got my Mr. T bracelet and necklace coming out. It really is pretty heavy. This is what I call the birth. I don't know if this stage is going to support me and the chains. Any welders in here, holler at me after church. The birth of the chains of shame, usually it starts when I do something stupid or foolish. Something that I say or I should have said. Something that I did or I didn't do. And it becomes something that's challenging in, in how I live my life. And I'm, I'm immediately regretting this decision because I'm already feeling this weight. And I'm living life now kind of like Marley from uh, the story of the Christmas Carol. And what happens is I do something stupid. Then I feel stupid. And then I feel the effects of my stupid. And then I feel like I am stupid. And I wrap these chains around my life. It literally is like a python cutting off the circulation to my neck. If I pass out, it's because of the chains of shame. Somebody grab my iPad and preach the rest of the sermon for me. I do something stupid. I feel stupid. I see the effects of my stupid. And I'm convinced I am stupid. And I go through life and I hit different pockets or seasons or maybe even just like a few minutes ago when I made an announcement about your purpose in life and you look down at the skill set that you have, the talents and the traits that God's given you and instead of seeing a gift that God's blessed you with, you see the shame of inadequacy or inaction. Or you hear a sermon preached about God's love and unforgiving grace and mercy and instead of feeling or sensing that, you look down and you see a heart. That's covered with shame from poor decisions of the past. And I think so many people are metaphorically walking through life like this. And it actually literally becomes a weight that is hard to bear. I literally do feel it collapsing around my chest and my legs. I'm wondering if it's going to pull my pants down. (laughs) Creating some serious shame. (laughs) Every nuance. Here we go. Every thought, every conversation, the chains wrap around even more. And it's not just decisions that I've made. Sometimes it's inaction. 
And I think the sad part about shame is that sometimes some people in this room right here right now, you're identifying things in the life of your spouse that he or she did or didn't do. And I think sometimes we actually do a good job of casting shame on other people. We, we, we don't let them get outside of the bounds of it because we let them relive that moment over and over in our conversations. It's amazing how many things that we are prohibited from doing or accomplishing because of the chains of shame. Some of you can identify exactly with what I'm saying. You may have walked in feeling this exact way today. Or every time we talk about the dream team, you say, man, there's no way. When we talk about marriages and relationships, we think that it's not possible to find hope because I've been living in this marriage for this long and it's caused this many problems. I'm tracking. Shame's powerful. And it's awkward, just like it is that I'm unwrapping these chains while I'm preaching. And I think it causes so much pain, it cripples people from accomplishing their God-given purpose. Does that make sense? But that's not God's plan for you or for me. Isn't that great? I mean, I, I, uh, I, feel, I feel the need to just slow down for a minute while we're in this sermon because I think that so many people struggle with this. But th- today is not about reliving the shame of your past. Today is about understanding God's promise for your future. Uh, I wish I'd put that on the screen. Some of you need to write that down. And here's what we're going to do is we're just going to unpack a passage of scripture. It's just two verses. And, and it is less about God saying you don't have to have shame in your life and more about God saying here's what I have in store for you. And it, it's found in Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. Listen to this passage and I'm going to break it down and I'm still going to get out of here in 20 minutes. It's going to be awesome. Chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely to us. Let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely to us. That's what he's talking about is these chains. And he says this, let us run with endurance the race that was set before him. I'm sorry, I'm missing my slide here. Let us run, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this passage. Let us lay aside every sin and weight that clings to us, and run the race with endurance that was set before us. Today we're going to take a few moments and unpack exactly what these two verses mean for you and for me. And I want to start with that very first one. And I believe this is actually probably the most important of this entire passage in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1a. The first portion says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what the writer is doing is lumping you and me into a cloud of witness, into a group of people who are amazing, like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the founding fathers of the faith. David, who the scriptures say was a man after God's own heart. Rahab, who literally single-handedly saved the spies that were in Jericho and then paved a way for them to come back in and, re- and take over the promised land. So many men and women of faith, Gideon and Deborah and others like this. And the Bible is lumping you and me into this same passage of scripture. This is the way God looks at you. 
Even with the chains of shame that you may have walked in this building with, God looks at you like this amazing group of men and women. And he unpacks this just a chapter before. Chapter 11 is called the faith chapter. And it unpacks the heroes of the faith and all the amazing things that they did to advance God's purpose. What's amazing about all those men and women is there is another list that is associated with them as well. Like the list of murderers and prostitutes, adulterers, and cowards and liars. There's not a single man or woman listed on that, in that chapter, the one prior, Hebrews 11, that did not accomplish or do some grave sin against the purposes of God. And so he, the writer starts this passage out by saying, hey, even with all of the stuff that's in your life, no matter how jacked up you are, you are still a mighty man or woman of God. I still look at you as a champion of the faith. So don't hold on to these chains any longer. He continues on in verse 1b, it says this, Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with the endurance the race that is set before us. I believe that that one passage of scripture actually unpacks three things for you and for me. Three simple things that God believes for and wants for and hopes for with you and me. Number one, I believe he's saying give up foolishness. Lay aside sin and the weight that clings so closely. I believe he's saying just give up foolishness. Sometimes people, listen, friends, sometimes you and I are consistently making poor and foolish and stupid choices. And if we want to experience the freedom that God has and lose the chains of shame, then we've got to just start by stopping. Stop making the same choices. And you know, I believe that the, the cycle that the enemy says is that you've always made these choices. It's always been this way. It's always going to be that way. And so many of us have just resolved to give up. And that's not God's promise for you. What he's saying is stop making foolish choices. If you've been addicted to alcohol or drugs, stop it. If you've been a habitual liar, stop it. Listen, that's the way God is saying we're, we're called to live. If you've been a horrible husband, today's the day to start being a great husband. Well, I don't know how to be a great husband. Then start with being a mediocre husband because that's better than being a horrible husband. Are you tracking with me? Wives, do not elbow your husbands right now. Ladies, do not clap. Okay, listen, I'm just talking to men for a minute. He's saying stop choosing foolishly. Stop this thing. Stop it. And listen, sometimes it's not just about choosing between right and wrong. Sometimes it's choosing between what or something that may or may not hinder me from accomplishing all that God has for me. The question that I have for you is this. Are you running the race that God has set before you? Or have you created your own? Often in the, the process of spirituality, whether you're new to this journey or you've been in it a long time, it's so easy to get impatient with God's plan or to allow the chains of shame to dictate, I can't be who God called me to be, so let me reroute the course that God has. And I'll run my race. But the scripture doesn't say run with endurance your race. It says run with endurance the race that God set before you. And you can fill in the blank here. It could be a business venture. It could be the thoughts of giving up on a marriage that God said, I'm not done with it yet. It could be waiting to see if I really want to be a part of jumping on the dream team. You fill in the blank. 
Are you running the race that God set before you? Or have you created your own? Friends, I want you to know that when we run our own race, the only finish line we'll ever cross is counterfeit. The only finish line we'll ever cross is counterfeit. You know what that does? It leaves us feeling empty and incomplete. I don't know about you, but I grew up playing basketball in the hood. I literally grew up in Section 8 housing. Literally. I was the only one with this skin tone. So this dude can play ball pretty well, but it's dirty. So you just need to know that. I'm throwing bows and fists. If you don't know what that is, we'll talk later. Okay, no laughter. Thank you. And uh, all my friends had Air Jordans. And, and Air Jordans are essential for playing basketball. You jump higher, run faster, you just stink smarter. You can do things, stick your tongue out and fly through the air. In fact, the Air Jordans that were cool were these guys. Anybody remember these? Anybody old enough to remember these guys? They were like, quack, quack. He, he brought back Velcro and made it cool, man. I mean, that's what Jordan did. And they came in multiple colors, but this color was the, the as it, <laughs> it doesn't matter. This color was awesome. And uh, we didn't have the money to buy that, but one day my mom and dad came home and they were so stoked. And they had fake Air Jordans for me that looked just like these. I think they were, the, they were Voight. I think. Anybody remember Voight? Am I saying that right? Anybody? Nobody in here? Or Spalding? Anybody wear Spalding shoes? Yes. I actually had Hakeem Olajuwon shoes. Ain't nobody wanted Hakeem Olajuwon shoes. This fool had it. And they brought me, they looked just like Air Jordans as long as you were 15 feet away. But I was like, ah, ah, chopping. This is so good. I should not do this. This stage is going to collapse. Seriously, if you weld, come talk to me afterwards. I was so stoked about these fair Jordans that I had. I would go out and play. But if any friends got close, I'd kind of walk away, right? I don't want them to get close. The Nike swoosh was upside down. It just said air. Just air. That's it. Nothing else. And I love those shoes. But deep down inside, I knew that they were fake. And every time I was with someone who had the real deal. I know this isn't the way we should live, but I'm talking 10, 12 years old. I had feelings of inadequacy on the inside. And friends, look at me. When we are not running the race that God has set before us, the only finish line we'll ever cross is counterfeit. And every time you cross a counterfeit finish line, there will be feelings of inadequacy and emptiness. And we'll wonder, is this it? Did I miss it? And then the chains of shame, they wrap around again. I'm sorry if you saw my midriff. Pull my shirt down. Hey, listen. Stop running your race. Stop it. I don't care where you've been or what you've done. You are accounted in that great cloud of witnesses. <laughs> that means that God thinks you're a champion, even when you feel like a failure. And that's the second thing we can pull from that passage is stop believing the lies. Stop adding to the chains of shame in your life by believing the lie that this is as good as it's ever going to get. I've always been fake. I'll always be fake. I've always messed up. I always will mess up. I never do the right thing, and it's going to be the trend in my life. I love how it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. The writer's saying the choice is ours. It's not hereditary. 
Look him in the eye. Some of you need to hear that. It's not because of your heritage. That may not have helped or empowered you to make the greatest decisions in your life, but stop it. We get to choose to lay aside the chains of shame. We choose. The writer doesn't say, wait for Pastor Kerry to preach a really good message about it. Or listen to your wife finally. Or listen to your parents. It just says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Why? So that we can run with endurance the race. The third thing we pull from this. Run with endurance the race. You can't run with endurance the race that God has set before you when you've got this weight on. Why? Because you weren't designed for this. You're designed for this. And this is an extra added, not necessary component. And after a while, you're going to get exhausted. And you might have a moment of elation where you allow the majority of the chain to fall. And you just hang on to this and I feel freer and I'm running harder and faster. But after a while, you're going to get tired and exhausted. And you'll stop making the right choices. And instead, you don't even have to start making the wrong choices. If we just stop making the right choices, we are slowly coasting to disaster. That's why life feels like a cycle. I come to church, I get excited, I let some of the chains off and I run the race and then I get tired and I stop making the choices that I was making and now I find myself back four months, six months, 12 months down the road in the same place that I've always been. You miss church for months and you don't talk to people, you haven't read your Bible in a year and a half because every time you open it, all you see are the chains Ashamed. I think those are the three things we pull from that. Stop making foolish choices. Stop believing the lie and run the race with endurance. So how do we do that? How do we run the race? How do we run the race with endurance? Aren't you glad that in everything we face, God has a solution for us? Thanks, Megan. The rest of you are not, but we're, we're praying for you. Hey, think about it. God knew we would struggle with the chains of shame. And so he had some amazing men and women begin to pin the story of their life and the things the Holy Spirit would reveal to them so that we didn't have to walk through it with hopelessness. Come on. That is the hope and the glory of who Jesus is. And in the same passage of Scripture, the writer continues on. He says, look, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And then he says, for those of you that are doubters, for those of you that don't believe, for those of you who need Pastor Kerry to get a little louder and a little more excited in his sermon, let me write the next passage of scripture just for you. He says this, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Isn't it interesting that in life so often we're looking to the chains that bind us? We're looking to the decisions and the mistakes and we're allowing this to shape culture in our life. It's amazing how much shame shapes the way that you parent your children. It's amazing how much shame shapes the way you are an employee or an employer. And the author's saying, stop that. Lay it aside. Run the race that God has set before you. And you don't know how? Here's how. Look to Jesus. 
the author, as one translation says, or in this translation it says, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. The chains of shame become a reality when I believe the lie that I'm jacked up and this is all I will ever be. But God's promise for you today is that you have barely scratched the surface of who God created you to be. But you don't understand, Pastor Kerry. You're right, I don't, but God sees and knows everything. And you're still accounted in the great cloud of witnesses. He's still saying, run the race with endurance. I love how the Bible talks about countering the lies of the enemy. And this is what it says in John 14 about the truth of who Jesus is. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the what? Say that out loud. The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That means you are pre-approved. You're pre-approved. The chains no longer matter. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So the lies that you've been believing and living are void and not, not necessary anymore. He's the way, the truth, and the life. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Other translations say the author of our faith. Can you imagine the character of a story rewriting his own story? The character of a book. One of my favorite stories of all times is Peter Pan. And my favorite version, I haven't seen the new one, my favorite version is the great classic Hook. Anyone in here like Hook? Rufio, Rufio, Rufi. Yes, about time. About time. Yes, one of my favorite movies. Can you imagine Peter Pan rewriting that story? He would have never signed up to be orphaned, to be kidnapped by savages, pursued violently by pirates. He would have stayed with his mom, wouldn't he? Well, we have a great story. I know it's fictional, but settle down. And Peter Pan, because of the courage to fight through the adversities that he was walking through, and the adventure that he went on. And you might say, you don't understand where I'm at. And that's true, but I would say that God is the author and the perfecter of your faith. And he sees everything. Look him in the eyes. Every thought. Every detail. Every hurt. And every pain. <laughs> Listen. And you need to know that even in your wildest sin, you are still God's favorite character. Even in your wildest disappointment. Even in your greatest pain, you are still God's favorite character. He's writing the story of your life saying, come on, don't give up. Don't let the chains of shame be the thing that drag you down. Stop choosing foolishness. Stop it. Walk away from it. Stop making the same perpetual choices over and over again. Stop believing the lie. Just run with endurance the race that I have set before you. And when we look back, there will be bumps and hiccups, but we'll see a great adventure. We'll see a great adventure. And that's how God is speaking to us in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our shame. I love how this passage of scripture closes out with, 
It's like God just doesn't even give it a second thought. He says, for who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Jesus counted it joy to die on the cross for his favorite character. Look at this one sentence. I love it. Despising shame. It was shame to walk down the streets of Jerusalem carrying a cross as an innocent man. As people spit and threw food and did worse to him, hitting him as he's carrying the chamber or the very essence of the tool of his death. It was an even graver shame when he hung on the cross and God turned his back on him in a moment because he bore the sin and the shame of all humanity. But Jesus said, I count it joy. I despise shame. I don't even care about shame. Because why? The next passage of scripture paints an even better verse. And it says, and he is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. You see, God sent his son Jesus to take on the sin and shame of humanity. And he counted it joy. He despised it. I don't even care. Why? Because I might die and be buried. But three days later, God's going to raise me from the dead. As a representation of freedom for all mankind. That even though they once were in the grave of shame and sin. That they can look to me, the author and perfecter of their faith. And they can find freedom from every sin. From every problem that they've ever faced. And in their darkest hour of pain, they can find hope. I don't know how you came in today. I don't know if you came in carrying the chains of shame and sin and regret, but you don't have to leave here feeling that same way. You can look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, knowing that he's still writing a great story of your life. And that you, despite of all your sin, despite of all your weaknesses, despite of all your failures, he still loves you and you are still his favorite character. The chains of shame and sin no longer have to have a hold on your life. No matter what you've done or where you've been. If you're here today and you feel that one of two things needs to happen. Number one, you need to start by saying, Jesus, today I give you my life. And if you're not here today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a moment. You can't get good enough to receive freedom. You can't come to church enough to receive freedom. God gave it through what Jesus did on the cross. And it just starts with a simple statement of Jesus, I give you my life. And that begins the journey of experiencing freedom for your life. And some of you may have been walking with God for a while and you need to experience freedom today. And I'm going to pray for you too. And I believe God's going to do something brand new in your life. So you're in one of two categories. The third, you might be walking in freedom. And today you need to be praying for everybody else. But I want everyone in this room to bow your heads and close your eyes and nobody looking around. If you're here today and you've never started the journey with Jesus, today is your day. I'm not going to embarrass you or ask you to get out of your seat. I'm just going to pray a very simple prayer. And right where you're at, from the bottom of your heart, I just want you to repeat it after me in your own heart. Believing that this is the truth of God's purpose for your life. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving around. If that's you and you need to start a relationship with Jesus today, just in your own heart, just say, God, I know you're real. I know you love me. But God, I see the chains of shame and sin in my life. Would you forgive me? 
You just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com, and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.